I'm Brian Dunning, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 106, and I'm your host, Yelena Levin, and joining me today is my co-host, Pontus Bokman. Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! And we are Sons Andrash. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, he is yeah busy with his work. His work is very erratic. <laughs> yeah, but he has you know you know we you have to admire yeah. the guy. He, he's calling in from Thailand, Italy, Hungary, yeah, whatever he happens to be. So traveled the whole world now by by this time. By this time. <laughs> I would love to see his mileage mm-hmm. points on on his account. There, there must be. I mean, he must be able to do a trip to the moon soon. Yeah, yeah. and um, so today we are going to be doing an interview episode. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. please correct me if I'm wrong, Pontus. <laughs> we no, I we would, like to be. Co- uh, I, w- I will, but you're not. We like not, to be yeah. corrected. We don't like to be wrong. Well, nobody likes to be wrong, but <laughs> we like to be corrected as well because mm-hmm. we learn from our mistakes. Yes, and um, mm-hmm. um, I just want to plug something very quickly for uh, the week between uh, the 8th and 14th of January. Um, Aaron Rach, who is a um, fairly well-known American uh, atheist activist and educator, is coming to London. London between the 9th and the 13th and he's going to have a couple of the events here uh, one of which is going to happen on the 11th of uh, January Thursday evening in Goldsmith University um, the event is starting at 7 o'clock until 8.30 and he will be talking about why do believers hate reality so much <laughs> Yeah. why indeed <laughs> um Exploring the apparent motives and behaviors of defenders of the faith. So, um, for those who are interested, for those who like Aaron uh, Ra and and follow his work, um, it's an excellent opportunity to come and see him live in London. Um, I will be there. So, uh, come and say hello. Uh, Chris French will be there, who we know and love. And um, it, it is promising to be a great talk. Um, so that's my little plug uh, f- yeah. for for the for the week. Um, Pontus, have you got anything? Well, I could just add that he will also be in Cambridge on the tenth, indeed, uh, of yeah. January. Yeah, at the Cambridge yeah. Union uh, on Bridge Street. So if you miss the the London event, you could go to Cambridge. Yeah. Right. So shall we uh, jump straight into the ep- uh, interview and enjoy the show? Yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk to to Brian Dunning, uh, who's been a a skeptical activist a long time, and everybody should know his podcast, Skeptoid. But we'll let him talk about that all in this interview. 
So joining us now all the way from Oregon in the US is a well-known skeptic and science communicator, Brian Dunning. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Brian is above all known from being the creator and the host of the Skeptoid podcast, but he's also the man behind several video projects such as Here Be Dragons and last year's Principles of Curiosity. So again, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And as you mentioned, I'm now in Oregon. I just moved moved to Bigfoot country so I can be closer. Oh, that's why you moved. I wondered. Yes. So so you can witness him first firsthand <laughs> if. Exactly. Is the, if he exists well, but we Still we hoping to catch one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let us know if you do. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be the first. Yeah. I'll send you some steaks. Oh, oh, oh Bigfoot Bigfoot steaks. Okay. Yeah. So, I've but, never thought about it yeah, let, let's start from the beginning. So how did you end up in the skeptics movement? So I ended up in the skeptics movement uh, by starting a podcast on it. And I started a podcast on it by learning that there was such a thing as a podcast and then uh, <laughs> browsing around through iTunes and finding a few. And I think um, uh, Skepticality was one of the first ones that mm -hmm. I listened to as as I gather is the case with many people. Mm. Uh, and once I heard that, my background was in computer science and also writing for film and television. And when I heard these podcasts, I go, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I, the kind of thing that I want to do. This is all of my interests all rolled into one. And I had some pet peeves that I wanted to get off of my, uh, get off my chest. Uh, a couple of them were paranormal issues. And so, and now at this time, this was 2006, you had to have five episodes in the can before iTunes would list your podcast. Mm -hmm. So I sat down with GarageBand and uh, recorded five podcasts. They were about five minutes long each and put them up on iTunes. And that was kind of the, the beginning of the end for me. It uh, turned out that people enjoyed them, started downloading them, started emailing me feedback and requests for new episodes. And it got to be something that I then did regularly. And then it turned out to be a weekly thing, and then it turned out to be a full-time thing, and then it turned out to be a full-time thing I got paid for. And uh, since 2012, uh, the company has been a, a, a nonprofit. So in the United States, uh, people can make tax-deductible donations, um, and that's where almost all of the program's income comes from. Uh, it's a publicly funded show, and it's geared mostly toward educators now. Um, mm -hmm. I'm introducing more and more content and programs specifically for teachers who want to introduce some critical thinking aspects into their courses, whatever they are. And that's high school and college, mostly college, actually. But, of course, the shows are intended to be fun and generally entertaining for everyone. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of the secret for why I've managed to stay around for 11 years doing the same show. Uh, people just seem to like it, which yeah. is just very lucky for me because it's the only kind of show I know how to do. <laughs> so <laughs> good fortune. Yeah, it's, I can totally relate to everything you're saying about the podcasting, and, you know, because uh, we've only started a couple of years ago. But yeah, it rings the bell. And um, it, yeah. In the off chance that listeners have not listened to the long-running Skeptoid podcast, how would you describe it? It's a short single topics of, uh, I have four basic uh, subject matters that I cover. It's urban legends, conspiracy theories, worthless alternative medicine schemes, and uh, paranormal claims. So kind of the, the, the four corners of, of woo. 
uh, <laughs> all of the main skeptical subjects. And actually, that's how I ended up going to some of these skeptic conferences. I think uh, the Amazing Meeting number five was the first one uh, that I went to and started meeting people and, and just have become friends with uh, virtually everyone in the community. And I don't know, just, I'm just having such a great time with it. It's, it's so... It's so dynamic, it's so exciting, it's so fun. The subject matter is still a lot of fun every single day. And um, I just consider myself incredibly mm -hmm. fortunate to be able to actually make a living doing it. The best part of that for me is that uh, my salary comes from voluntary donations that people make because they appreciate what I'm doing. You know, I don't send anyone any invoices. I don't turn anyone upside down and shake them for money. They they send it to me voluntarily. <laughs> and the fact that I'm able to make a living from that and I'm building this company that's actually growing and producing more and more content is is so rewarding. Yeah. And I consider myself very fortunate every day. Yeah. Before we go into the other content that you are have done and are planning to do, I uh, just want to see if we have a European ac uh, angle to this. Have Have you been to Europe at all and uh, done anything skeptical in 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 Europe? Or you know, only once, and that was um, two thousand nine. So it's been a long time now, um, and that was for um, Chaos Communication Congress in Berlin. Uh, it was a, it's the world's largest hacker conference, or at least it was ah. at the time. And uh, they emailed me and said, hey, we want you to come and speak at our hackers conference. And I'm going, what? why do you want me to speak at a skeptical podcast? Why do you want me to at a hackers conference? I don't know anything. And, and they said, well, it's because you made this movie called Here Be Dragons, and Here Be Dragons is the theme of this year's conference. Huh. So <laughs> based on that alone, I went there and I, I gave uh, one of my talks on um, a, a fascinating uh, topic, which is the missing cosmonauts. Uh, there's an urban legend that says that uh, cosmonauts from Russia and the Soviet Union have died in space and were subsequently written out of the history books and no official record remains of them because their missions were a failure. So that's kind of a conspiracy theory slash urban legend. Uh, it's something that I did a podcast episode on a number of years ago and, and then this talk was a follow-up to that going into more depth. So... Um, the, the German audience uh, liked that because I found that conspiratorial thinking is pretty popular in Germany. Um, they, they tend to love their conspiracy theories over there, so they enjoyed <laughs> yeah, that well, talk. Yeah, it's, it's too popular all over the place, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, the funny thing was when the conference organizers were talking to me, they say, oh, you do this paranormal stuff and this, this and that kind of woo. You'll find we're very skeptical over here in Germany. We don't believe in any of that stuff. Well, no, they didn't. <laughs> what they believed in were conspiracy theories. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But that somehow is okay, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, we uh, we will talk about uh, your latest film project in a second, but uh, could you tell us about your earlier videos, Here Be Dragons, that you mentioned, uh, and Principles of Curiosity? Yeah, th those are two of my two of the favorite things that I've done. Um, so Here Be Dragons was uh, I made that in two thousand eight. So I had been doing the podcast for a little bit over a year and a half, and. Uh, people had suggested, "Hey, you should make some videos," and I thought, "Ah, oh, that sounds like a good idea." So I went out and bought my own little video camera because we didn't have iPhones yet in those days. I had to buy a little video camera 
and I bought a cheap little tripod and that was the size of my film crew. It was me and a tripod and a cheap little video camera. And um, I wrote this 40-minute piece. I wanted to keep it to 40 minutes because I knew teachers were very interested in my material and they wanted a video that they could show in class. So I wanted to keep it to 40 minutes as that would fit into most classroom lengths. And I wrote basically just kind of a summary of all of the skeptical subjects, all of the all of the logical fallacies, um, well, most of the best logical fallacies, and, and uh, tried to cover all the basics. And I called it a, you know, a general introduction to critical thinking. Uh, and uh, there was a number of volunteers involved, people who contributed some computer graphics. Uh, the music was all contributed by Lee Sanders, who's now a very good friend of mine. He does the music for most of my projects. Uh, and even though it was made by one guy with a video camera, it's actually not bad. I, <laughs> I don't no, mind saying I, that. I agree. I'm, I agree. I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm terribly embarrassed by the production quality, but then every time I see it, I say, you know, it's actually not that bad. It's not that bad at all, <laughs> considering the, the background and the, you know, the, the limited uh, <laughs> resources you had behind you. It's really professional, I think. And it still gets downloaded a lot. I, I have um, some uh, torrent files for um, all of the videos that I host just here, actually out of my house, just making sure that the, there's always at least one seed for people who are trying to torrent these videos. And uh, I, I peek in on it from time to time, and it's always being downloaded by, you know, five, ten people after, after uh, what is it? It's been a decade now. That's, that's, that's pretty cool, I think. I'm, mm. So I'm pretty proud of that. But then moving on to... Shifting forward a few years to 2017, uh, for a long time, I'd wanted to make... I didn't want to remake Here Be Dragons, but I wanted to make a follow-on project to it, something that went a little more de depth into some of the angles that, uh, that I'd learned over the years. So um, I came up with Principles of Curiosity, and the idea is this provides a simple method that anyone can follow to learn to tell what's true from what's not. So I came up with, um, I wanted to come up with something that was really simple and memorable, so I came up with the three C's. Challenge, consider, and conclude. Um, somebody makes some funky claim, whatever it is, some paranormal claim, some alternative medicine claim. First we challenge it to see if it's even true as reported. And then we consider, which means we consider alternate explanations. And then we conclude, we choose the best explanation that fits the evidence. Mm -hmm. So the, the film Principles of Curiosity, it just kind of follows um, a number of examples uh, for each one of these three steps. And the main example that runs throughout the length of the film is my all-time favorite personal mystery, which is the moving stones in Death Valley, the stones that move across oh, yes. the dry lake oh, yeah. bed all I by themselves. I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we got a, a film permit to go to the, into the national park and shoot some video, which was quite difficult to get that permit. And um, we have a, a lot of video of the rocks. We, have, we include video of the rocks moving that's never been taken before. We include some of the scientific research that's been published. We include um, the video that I shot personally, myself, many, many years ago. I think it was 2006, 2000. I don't know, some year. Um, and uh, that's kind of the, the main example that we use. But uh, it, it also is 40 minutes. It's actually 40 minutes exactly to the second. And uh, so it gets used a lot by educators 
And we went one step further with the production in that we also created um, an educational plan, uh, a lesson plan for teachers all the way from elementary school through college, uh, through a number of different college pro programs. Uh, that, and that's freely downloadable along with the movie, which are both at principlesofcuriosity.com. So the movie's free, it's on YouTube even, um, and, and the lesson plan is free, and that gets downloaded five to ten times every day. I was going to ask you if you, if you get like a, a, a positive feedback about the uh, school plan especially. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's the most rewarding part of my job is the mm -hmm. fact that we're doing stuff for teachers that teachers want and that they use and that they really appreciate. I, I always bang on about how important it is to start uh, with kids in school and educating them about critical thinking and, um, you know, logical fallacies, etc., etc. So um, it's great to, to hear that there's some resources there available for them. And, and you're not the only one. I mean, most of the people who are listeners to both of our podcasts Uh, most of the, most of our listeners are they're probably they're old white men. I mean, if we look at the demographics, <laughs> that's what they tend to be, and always working on on expanding that. And uh, but many of them feel exactly the way that you just described. They say, "Hey, we need to get this material into schools." Well, enough of them are teachers themselves, and they feel strongly about it. And they um, that's another great thing. I mean, you you can have someone who's a uh, you know a, a calculus teacher, and they don't personally feel passionate or emotionally driven to give kids calculus content. But when it's this kind of material that is actually going to help these kids live better lives and make better decisions, um, the people who are our shared audience, they tend to do feel passionately enthusiastic about sharing this material with the students. So. Um, it's to all of our advantage to give them as many tools as we can. Um, sorry, I also had a note uh, as you were talking about your um, movie creations um, and documentary um, about the YouTube channel. Um, the, the YouTube is really quite huge at the moment and um, a lot of content creators uh, exclusively using YouTube to create videos on a weekly basis. Have, have you ever considered that? I know you had a channel, but it's not... well. You haven't posted on there for a while. Yeah, um, and, and, and the reason for that is that uh, everything you say about it is true, of, correct, uh, of course. Um, the reason for that is that uh, making video is just so much more resource intensive than making audio. It's very easy for me to make an audio show each week, but making a video program each week is much more difficult. It takes a lot more time, it takes resources, it takes... Um, you is a whole different set of skills that are involved that you generally have to have skilled professionals helping with, you know, the color correction and, and, and all of these things like that, that it's important to get that, to get that right and do it well. Um, however, I am going to be launching one new video project in the next probably three months. Uh, that's going to be a lot more content on YouTube Um, that's going to be something that doesn't personally take my time because I just simply personally don't have the time. I still have two web series that are affiliated with Skeptoid. One is called In Fact Video, um, mm -hmm. In Fact with Brian Dunning. That's got a channel. And I've got a second one called The Feeding Tube at feedingtube.tv. And that's hosted by Tamara Robertson, who was one of the contestants on Mythbusters The Search. Uh, and um, that's about food myths. And ah. both of those are slow. They're just, they're lagging. They're, 
they're they're both crowdfunded. I really, I honestly cannot afford to make an episode uh, without getting each one crowdfunded individually. And so that's the main thing that slows it down is is waiting for crowdfunding on those. Actually, right now, one of them has been sitting in production mode for a couple of months that I have not been able to work on because at the same time, as I'm busy on all of this stuff, I got a call about three months ago from Simon & Schuster, the publishing company, and said, hey, we want you to write this book on conspiracy theories. <laughs> so I said, oh my gosh, I really don't have time for that. But then I, <laughs> I, I, I talked to a number of friends of mine who are authors, and they said, hey, Simon & Schuster is a yeah, top no publishing to company. But that's no way to reply to a, to a publisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't actually say that to them. I said that to myself before replying to them. But I, t I talked to all my friends, and they said, hey, uh, whether you want to do this, this project or not, Simon & Schuster doesn't just go up to people on the street and dump a book deal in their lap. Um, so you need to take it because if in the future, if you ever do want to write a book, now you can say you're a published author from uh -huh. Simon and Schuster, and that's a that's a feather in your cap that you won't be able to have otherwise. Mm. So so I am doing it. I'm almost finished. I've actually got two more days to work on the uh, this first set of revisions to the completed manuscript. Wow! So I'm just <laughs> I'm pulled in so many directions. Um, but uh, getting getting this book project finished um, is what will get uh, the current episode of In Fact back into gear, and um, wow, you know, I, I still I'm still working on on the next movie, which we haven't even talked about yet, Science Friction. Um, yeah, I'm, st I'm still working on that as well. So yeah, there's a lot going on. It's um, it's mm. it's wild. It's crazy. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into science fiction, I was one more project that you you've been very busy over the years. There was one project that I I know you put a lot of work into it, but it never really took off, and that was a, a skeptical TV series. This is many years back. Yeah. What was what was the name of that? That was called the Skeptologists. Skeptologists. Yes. So we had the team of skeptical superheroes. Um, and uh, I, I, I was the host, and then we had the skeptical superheroes who were, uh, let's see, I, I don't want to forget anyone. It was uh, Michael Shermer, Steve Novella, Dr. Kiki, Kirsten Sanford, uh, Yao Man Chan, Mark Edward, the mentalist, and mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I feel like I'm missing someone and I'm going to kick myself in the head if I do. Maybe I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the, the idea of the show was... You know, we'd, there'd be some, some pseudoscience somewhere, the bat signal would go up, the team of skeptical superheroes would jump into the Batmobile and race off to the scene <laughs> to, to debunk the pseudoscience. And we made a pilot episode, uh, which cost um, a lot of money, I'm just going to say. Uh, <laughs> and um, turns out we didn't need to make the entire pilot, uh, hour-long pilot. We could have just made a teaser video. Um, but uh, we uh, took it around to, we had an agent working with us, uh, we took it around to TV studios and we got very far and uh, we almost got a deal with uh, two different networks, uh, True TV and uh, w one, of the, one of the Discovery Channel properties, I don't remember which one it was, um, we lost the Discovery Channel property because they went with a show called Harry Bikers instead. <laughs> I know that show. And, and I, 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 I love that there's no skeptical programming on TV, but there's hairy bikers. 
<laughs> so that they they made a good food. <laughs> Oh, too bad. Anyway, too bad. But actually, yeah. um, about uh, 18 months ago, just before we went into production on Principles of Curiosity, um, most of our same crew reunited and we made a teaser video for another pilot for another TV series that we are going to go out and pitch um, sometime this year in 2018. Um, everyone involved has, has been so, stretched so thin on other projects, we haven't devoted as much time to it as we want. Um, huh. But uh, that's actually something that I'm pretty excited about because we took all the lessons that we learned from skeptologists and applied it to this. That the difficult thing about the skeptologists was that it was largely a debunking show. And the problem with debunking shows is that you're taking something away. You're not giving anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. is kind of inherently negative. And mm. every TV meeting, every meeting we, we went to at, at a TV network, they asked us the same question. They always asked, but you're going to find out that the paranormal explanation is the true one at least some of the time, right? <laughs> they all wanted that. None of them wanted yeah. a show where it was going to be a, a foreordained conclusion every time. It's like no matter what we feature on the show, it's going to turn out to be fake. And and they decided the viewers aren't going to stand for that. They've got to they've got to be able to think that hey, this time the ghost might be real. Yeah. Well, we didn't want to make that show. We're not going to go out no. and make the kinds of shows <laughs> no. that are on TV now because personally, I don't think that's right. Yeah. That's not what I've dedicated my career to doing. Mm. Um, I want people to be educated, enlightened, and informed, and I wanted to make a show that does that. Hmm. But at the same time, we've got to understand what's commercial. What what do the networks want yeah. to show? And so this time, we really did come up with a concept that I think checks all of those boxes. And um, I I hope to be sharing that with you sometime in 2018, if we can... <laughs> We actually shot everything. It's all done. It just needs to be edited and then put a, a presentation package together. And we, then we need to go back out on, on the uh, road and do the show with all of the networks again. So that wow, should happen fantastic. this year. Yeah, keep us posted. Yeah, it's, it's cool. So your latest project um, is um, science fiction, isn't it? And um, it's, it's quite an ambitious project as far as we understood because you're aiming for a theatrical release. Um, do you want to tell us about it and um, how how the funding is going and um, yeah whatever you think you can tell us about it really sure I guess yeah I can Not tell you good. everything about it so science well friction. you don't want to give too much <laughs> away so that you know when people watch it they, yeah there's actually one thing I can't tell you about it uh, and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment so um, science friction is going like you say it's uh, going to be a documentary film for theatrical release meaning it's going to be in the theaters mm -hmm. it's probably going to be a limited theatrical release um, so just just a few theaters in in some major cities uh, that's we're, we're gonna have to wait and see that's something that's a complete question mark right now um, the director uh, is Emery Emery uh, who is a he, he was the editor for uh, the movie that Penn and Teller and Paul Provenza produced uh, called The Aristocrats um, a few years back. And um, Emery knows how to get a film into a theatrical release. Um, and he's 
pretty excited about this one. So I think it's that's probably almost certainly going to happen. At least uh, I can guarantee it's going to happen in a really limited way. Hopefully it's going to happen in a major theatrical way. But uh, we won't know that until the movie's done and it's in the film festivals and all of that stuff. What the concept is, is it's simply a documentary film about scientists who have been misrepresented in the media. It started with this whole idea of, of TV documentaries, kind of the, some of these fake documentaries or shockumentaries, as I call them. Um, <laughs> a lot of the ones that are on the popular TV networks, these science networks and history networks that build themselves as being educational programs, but really they just broadcast sensationalist nonsense and quite often they feature science scientists or other experts who you know they kind of come on they do the little thing they're a talking head they give their little interview and they explain the science behind something and what many people don't realize is that more often than not those interviews are very very badly edited and sometimes they are edited in a very unethical way that takes the scientist completely out of context they edit different words together sometimes, and they make it sound like they said something that's the opposite of what he was saying. And this happens more often than people realize. And a lot of these scientists are upset about it. In fact, you mm. can get on the internet and just Google for this, and you'll find blogs and stuff written by these scientists complaining that they were misrepresented on some TV show. Well, unfortunately, nobody's ever going to see their blogs, but uh, we hope to give them a voice with this film. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to call out the programs who've done this by name. We're going to call out the networks who've done this by name. We're going to talk to some of the people behind these shows and get them to explain why they did this, why they thought it was okay. Most importantly, we're going to talk to the scientists who this has happened to and give them a chance to clear the record. Let them tell us what they really said on the show. Show us what their research actually shows. So it's going to be something that's going to be really surprising and eye-opening uh, for a lot of people. I mentioned there's one thing I couldn't tell you, and that's I'm not going to go into detail on any of the specific cases that this has happened to, because we still have to have releases with these scientists. And we've filmed a number of interviews already, but until these are actually in the movie, I don't want to um, say what no, sure. some of these cases are. But they yeah. are really surprising. Um, they're really surprising. Some of them you've, you've heard about that have been you know, featured kind of in the skeptical media in one way or another. Uh, and we're going to try and cover those as well. But those, most of them are ones you've never heard of. It's a scientist whose name you've never heard before on some little show that came and went. Um, but what they did has just been shocking in some cases. And yeah. um, when we tell people this idea, people go, oh, my gosh, I want to see that. It's an idea that really has traction. People are, tend to be really excited about science friction when they hear the concept. So... Um, what we're doing is we're crowdfunding the initial production, um, and that's just enough basically to get all the video shot. And uh, then um, the next step in the process to, is to go out and find a distributor, and then working with the movie's distributor is where the bulk of the money comes from to finish the project up, get it through post-production, get prints made, and get it into distribution. So... Um, that's, that's the process, and the website is set up. It's sciencefriction.tv, and it's already up and running and taking donations. The donations are going great. It's been up for, uh, I think, just about a month or a little bit less than a month, and mm -hmm. we're about 15% of the way there, a little over. 
Um, I'm super excited about that. Like I say, we've already shot some of the video and we're going to continue shooting until we run out of money completely. So every penny that gets donated is going to be used and has already been used in some cases. Um, so uh, people don't need to worry about, hey, if it doesn't reach its, its goal, is it not going to be made? No, it's already being made. So I totally invite everyone to come to sciencefriction.tv. There's a great trailer. Uh, you'll see some of the people who appear in the film. Um, talking about some of these cases. And uh, so at least come to sciencefriction.tv just to watch that video. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I hope you choose to uh, hope you choose to donate. Well, I already did, so I, I, I'm, you I'm did. looking. Thank for, you very much. Sir. I'm looking forward to seeing my my name in very small print at the end, <laughs> together with all the <laughs> yes. other thousands of people who will donate. I think it's a really good course, and I think I think also what it has the the idea has is the sensational. Uh, angle that may, perhaps the skeptologists didn't have if you always knew it was going to be you know not uh, magical in, in the end but this is going to be have this sensational element when you find out that what that was that was what he's trying to say and they edited it down to being something completely different yeah it is it's doing some of these interviews has been shocking for me mm. Um, I have to say, unfortunately, I'm not surprised. Um, the, the nature of this, um, uh, some of the uh, media is to get as much attention. And if that in, requires editing and chopping and, you know, just grabbing some um, phrase or, or whatever, then that's what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, I, I got the idea be, uh, originally because this had happened to me. It mm. happened to me um, at least three times. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one or two of them. Um, one of them was, um, and they, but it didn't happen to me seriously. Uh, my, my examples were not the most dramatic. We're not anywhere near as dramatic as some of the people that we've interviewed already. But uh, one thing that happened to me was I was on uh, William Shatner's series, Weird or What? Mm -hmm. I did a couple of episodes mm -hmm. of that. And one of these was about uh, the skull experiment where... Uh, which was a, a seance that was held, a series of seances that was held in the United Kingdom by a bunch of seance believers in order to prove that seances were real. And they hired some professional seance performers. Now, when you hear that, initially you think it's like hiring Penn and Teller to give you a magic show so that you can prove that magic powers are real. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, these are stage tricks. These are performances. And... Uh, Nevertheless, uh, the, the, the group that did this, the Society for Psychical Research in the UK, they still promote this performance that they were given as proof of the supernatural, proof of life after death. Hmm. And so I was, I was, what my role was on Weird or What was to watch a seance performance that was actually performed by Mark Edward, coincidentally, who was our expert on the skeptologists. Now he does seances for you know for corporate groups and parties and stuff as 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 a job, and and everyone knows that it's a performance, that it's a that it's a fake thing. He doesn't present it as being real, um, and he performed a seance for some people that the show had gotten off the street, um, and these people fully believed it. It was very dramatic. He was he was telling them about their their dead grandparents from beyond whatever, and then they were hearing whisperings and sounds and things happening in this darkened seance room. 
So the TV show, they had me in a separate little room watching this over, um, over a, a night video camera. So, you know, a light enhancement so I could, I could see what was going on in the dark. And you're seeing Mark Edward and his assistant pulling all of these tricks that were, <laughs> I mean, they were funny to watch. Uh, when you see, oh, so that's how it makes it sound like there's a whisper happening right next to your ear when there's nobody standing anywhere near you. And that's how a trumpet falls out of the ceiling and lands in the middle of the table. And that's how all of these strange things happen. So they, they had me make some commentary as I was watching it. And then when uh, the show was broadcast, you hear William Shatner narrate. He just narrates. He's not actually on the show with me. I'm, I, I don't warrant being in the same shot as... William Shatner, but he narrates and he says, uh, he said words to the effect of, well, uh, Dunning believes that, uh, that, that the fact that these were, these tricks were done for these people, Dunning believes that that proves the skull experiments were faked. Now, logically, that's not true. And, and I certainly did not say anything like that. Uh, we can say that um, there are certainly strong evidence that the soul skull experiments could have been faked. But I don't believe it proves that they were faked. Of course it doesn't. No. Um, so that's an example of me being misrepresented. Obviously, that's not a very dramatic example at all. But it got me thinking, gee, if just this happened to me, what might be happening to all these other people? Yeah. So. No, I think, it, yeah, I, I think, I, I, you know, anybody who's had any experience with something that ends up in the newspaper or any, get any publicity, you very often realize that, well, that's not exactly what, is, what happened. That's not what I experienced. But, you know, and then you realize that if that one, that tiny little part in the newspaper was wrong because you were there, what about the rest of the things? You know, if everything is of that quality, then it's really bad. And I guess it is because, what, you know, what they say is that if it, if it bleeds, it leads is, is the slogan. But, you know, if it's sensational, it gets into the headlines. Yeah. Well, you know, here's a funny thing. Here's one interview that I, that I tell you that we are planning to have in the show. All parties have agreed verbally, but no contracts are written. But I'll tell you about this anyway. Um, I'm sure most of your listeners know who Richard Wiseman is. Oh, He's yes. The, the, of course, yeah. The, yeah. Um, experimental psychologist in the, in the UK. Great guy. Lots of fun. Super successful on YouTube interestingly, mm -hmm. which I'm really jealous of. <laughs> but um, I asked him, hey, would, would you want to be on the show? And has this ever happened to you? And he like grabbed me and backed me into a corner. And <laughs> that always, everyone is always trying to get him on a show to edit him badly and misrepresent <laughs> what he said. Oh, to the point poor, that poor his university now, they have made it so difficult to interview anyone. And they introduce all of these conditions into the contract and it's, it's conditions that nobody would agree to. It's like, if you're going to make a show and Richard Wiseman has his face appear in it for a second, he gets final cut approval over all of your content and everything. And, <laughs> and, and it's all, stuff like this that, that no one's going to agree to. And so it's very, very, very seldom that he ever appears in any of these shows. And so he said, you know, that's, so it's, it's going to be pretty hard for you to work with me. And I told him, that's what I want in the show. <laughs> what you just told me these last five minutes. Yeah. I want yeah. that in the show. Yeah. 
this is this these are the lengths that you have to go to to protect yourself from this kind of misrepresentation. So um, we we hope to go back and and have that formal interview with Richard and uh, uh, let him make that pitch on camera and just tell us how difficult and what the what the reasons are why a scientist at his level in his position will never agree to do any of these TV shows. Yeah. Now, I think it would be fun if you could get him to get on the show, on the film to explain why he can't be on the film. I think that's... I know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And he, and he told me, and make no mistake, I'm going to have the same deal with you. And I say, well, that's fine with us. In fact, I'm even hoping to... Um, this is just an idea we've t- tossed around. I'm even hoping that as the end credits roll, we're just going to have just a little Skype video of everyone who appeared in the film telling us whether they felt that they were fairly represented in this film. Oh, that's great. That's really good. <laughs> because I think you got to put your money where your mouth is. If we're going to come right. forth and, okay. and say that, course, uh, yeah. that we're clearing the record on this, All that right. uh, we've got to be able to back that up. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. It sounds really, really exciting. We're really looking forward to that. And we hope that all our listeners go in and, and pledge whatever they can to, to make this happen. Sciencefriction.tv. Yep. Oh, yeah. We will include that in the show notes. No worries. Uh, so uh, is there is there anything else? I mean, I mean, this is plenty and even more, it's, e- it's more than a, what a human can do. <laughs> but is there anything else you want to mention before we close the interview? Yeah, I, 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 I think just um, to, in general, I would encourage all of your listeners to get more involved, even if it is just to make some sort of uh, micropayment donations, not not to my show, what to whatever shows you appreciate. Um, if everyone in this community who's working so hard to promote good information um, in the skeptical community, um, uh, as it's called, um, I think we all do it because we truly believe that it's important. Um, I, I know, I know you two. You, that's how you feel. Mm, absolutely. And, um, mm. For almost all of it, it's something that we have to do on a voluntary basis. We all have regular jobs we have to work at. Um, it's it's a lot of time, effort, and resources from us to to provide this content. So please su- please support the uh, the skeptical activists whose work that you appreciate uh, because they really need it, and it's it is it's the only engine that keeps this content coming. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much also for yeah pitching that. <laughs> no, I think yeah, I th- and thank and, you guys and, for being part of this machine that makes it all work. Yeah, yeah well we we do what we can but I, th- I I do agree with your sentiment there. Everybody can do something if you don't want to be the guy who stands in the if you don't want to be in in the limelight or you know want to draw attention to yourself because not everybody is is comfortable with that. Do what you can, you know, talk to your friends, give people you know, maybe you should listen to this. Maybe you should listen to that. Maybe you can contribute also, you know, financially. If you can do that, that's fantastic as well. So, but do try to to promote the the whole agenda somehow, uh, whatever way you can. Even if it's just to go to iTunes and write a review. Yes. Because even that helps. Yes, it does mm. very much. And the way that helps, people don't necessarily know that that actually does provide material help. It helps because that's one of the ways that iTunes decides which podcasts to rank higher so that people find them on the page. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, positive reviews help. Mm-hmm. 
That's why we're always banging on about this. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. Thank you very much, Brian Dunning, all the way from Oregon. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it because we know how busy, insanely busy yeah, you are. <laughs> now, now we want to hang up very quickly so we can have time to make this film happen. I've got to get back to my Bigfoot hunting <laughs> yeah. first. Oh, oh, yeah, that's one too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Brian. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Gosh, um, so Brian, Brian Dunning is a very busy uh, person indeed. He's got so many um, spinning plates at the same time, and he's doing great, uh, great work in skeptical movement, mm-hmm. promoting critical thinking. Um, so please, dear listeners, if you can support his work, um, donate to his uh, documentary or subscribe to his podcast, etc., and follow his work. Um, like like his uh, podcast on iTunes as well as ours. <laughs> exactly. You should like ours as well. So, But we'll leave all the links in the show notes where you can go and, and, and uh, you know, support him and support us. Mm. And we're very grateful uh, if you do. Indeed. And uh, we will be back next week with our regular segment and the news. And hopefully um, Andres will be back with us as well. And we'll be we together, so. the three musketeers together again. The three <laughs> musketeers of skepticism. <laughs> that's that's our no slogan. Yes, that, that's what we are. Uh, okay. Can, can, okay. Can, can musketeer be a woman? No. I, I think you, well, I would be very sh- shocked if not, of course. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways. All right. Thank you for joining uh, me today, Pontus. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. And thanks, our dear listeners, for tuning in. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, this is Brian Dunning with Skeptoid Media. I only have one brief thing to tell you today. Finally, a feature documentary film in the theaters about scientists who get misrepresented in the media. A lot of us here in the club get frustrated by these so-called science and history networks on television, by the way they present false information to be sensational at the expense of real science. One of their favorite tricks is to have trusted scientists on as experts, but then they edit them out of context or twist their words to make it sound like they're promoting some sensational nonsense. But this is way more widespread than you know. It is not just limited to the pseudoscience and pseudo-history channels. Skeptoid Media is executive producing a new feature film, and you want to watch the teaser for it right now sciencefriction.tv You're going to want to share this on your social media and tell everyone you know to watch this teaser right now. This is such an important problem today. And most people seem scarcely aware that the problem exists. They just go on watching their favorite science networks and have no idea that they're watching sensationalized hooey, totally unaware that real scientists are suffering real consequences at the hands of unscrupulous producers. ScienceFriction.tv is being directed by Emery Emery of The Aristocrats. It's written and presented by yours truly and executive produced by Skeptoid Media. We just finished the award-winning film Principles of Curiosity. 
We are crowdfunding the initial production of Science Friction. It even provides a way for you well-heeled types to buy your way into the film industry with an executive producer or associate producer credit for a large donation. Skeptoid Media is a 501c3 nonprofit, so all donations toward this production are tax-deductible for U.S. taxpayers. So, folks, get your year-end deductions in in probably the most useful way you ever have. Science Friction. It's good for the world. Come to sciencefriction.tv and watch the teaser video now. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. But uh, let's him. Well, let's. <clears throat> <laughs> what the <laughs> hell are you trying to say? Yeah. Let's blah. hear him talk. Or well, what are you trying to say? Yeah. To, uh, to, to, to. All my devices are beeping at me all at once. You'll have <laughs> that, that, to edit me out no, saying no, that. No, that I, we, don't worry. That's, we'll all, do, the, we'll that's do. all the pledges coming in. People are already trying to, to, <laughs> to contribute. Even though we haven't, we haven't released a, an episode yet somehow. <laughs>